Hey, Unnaturalists. I'm Emily. I'm Andy. And welcome back to Unnatural. Oh, we've got another episode, and it's an episode you told me that is a little different than ones we've done in the past. Yeah, so like I mentioned last week, we're doing things a little different because what happens in this story isn't necessarily crime in like a legal sense, but more of like a crime against humanity where ethics and moral lines were definitely crossed. Because on July 12th, 1961, a set of triplets were born in New York, and they were all separated and adopted to different families at birth. And by chance, they were reunited, and their story was quickly thrust into the public eye, and they became media sensations pretty much overnight. But it wasn't long before their epic reunion story took a really dark and twisted turn. This is the story of David Kelman, Eddie Galland, and Bobby Shoffrin. Shoffrin arrived on campus at Sullivan County Community College in New York. This was not a super bougie New York school. It was like a couple hours northwest of the city. And growing up, Bobby wasn't super popular. He didn't have a whole heck of a lot of friends. And this was his first year attending college. So like he drove up there by himself and as he was walking through campus looking for his dorm room he was kind of confused by the warm welcome he was receiving from other students like kids were giving him high fives they were like hey how was your summer and he was like um it was great thank you <laughs> right and then someone was like hey eddie how you been and bobby was like um I'm not Eddie. And he was met with remarks like, oh yeah, haha, real funny. Like, good joke. Ha 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 ha. So Bobby finds his dorm room and he's still kind of confused, but he's kind of like, whatever. I must just look similar to this Eddie guy. I look like somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. I got a doppelganger somewhere. Right. Um, so he's in his dorm room, kind of unpacking his stuff and... He gets a knock at his door and he turns around and there's this guy standing in his doorway and this guy's face just like goes white and he's speechless. And this guy is like, are you adopted? And Bobby's like, yeah. And the guy's like, when's your birthday? And he's like, uh, July 12th. And turns out this guy was Michael Domnitz who was the real Eddie's friend. They had met the previous year at college, and oh. Mike knew that Eddie wasn't going to be at school that year. So when he had like heard that Eddie was back, he was like, 
no, like, what the fuck? So what? Mike is like, dude, I think you have a twin brother. So they find a payphone and they call Eddie and they figure out, yes, they have the same birthday. They're both from New York. They were both adopted from the same adoption agency. Eddie's probably like, what the fuck? Yeah. So Mike and Bobby hop in the car and they drive the two hours back to the city to Eddie's house and Eddie and Bobby meet each other. Whoa. Yeah. And they're just stunned. Yeah. Mike is like, what the fuck? Because um, he's seeing both of them at the same time. Yeah, he's like seeing double. Yeah, that's got to be at the upper echelon of craziness right there. Yeah, for sure. So then the news gets a hold of the story that like, lo- like, you know, bringing a whole new meaning to the term long lost brothers. And it ends up on the front page of a couple newspapers. And then enter David. And he's like, wait a damn minute. So David's friend is like, dude, what the fuck? They figured out, you know, the same birthday, all of that. So David calls Eddie's house and is like, sup, bro? Like, we're we're actually triplets. Oh, my God. Yeah. So there's another one. There's three of them. Oh, my God. And... I'll post pictures and like they like they are 100 they look they all look the same. So they're all identical. Yeah, they're identical triplets. So the three of them meet and the media absolutely loses their minds. <laughs> their shit. Yes. So the brothers are doing interviews. They're on talk shows and they start to realize like just how similar they are. They were all wrestlers at one point. They had very similar mannerisms and just kind of the way they like moved and how they talked. They all smoked the same kind of cigarettes. They even had similar taste in women, mm. which I found kind of interesting. Yeah. And another kind of bizarre coincidence was that they all had older sisters who were about the same age and also adopted. Interesting. Yeah. So the boys click like instantly. They're like best friends. They're, um, Family members said that, like, whenever they were, like, the very first time all three of them met, they were joking with each other and, like, wrestling around. And it was like, it was like they had known each other for their entire lives. And Which is crazy because they never even knew each other existed before that. Yeah. They had no idea. Like, can you imagine that if you had two siblings that were identical to yourself and you met them years later in life how crazy that would be and they had grown up within like a hundred mile radius of each other wow yeah but um they all grew up very differently um david grew up in a very blue collar type family his parents were immigrants english was their second language um i think they owned and ran like a corner store type situation Eddie's family was very middle class. His dad was a teacher. I'm not sure what his mom did, but um, 
then Bobby had like a very wealthy family. His dad was a doctor. His mom mm. was an attorney. They kind of had like a, you know, they were well off. Right. Um, but they all felt very at home at David's house. And um, David's parents specifically kind of really embraced the three of them. Um, David's dad, like they all had kind of like a cute nickname for David's dad. And he always said that like he had, like, you know, now he had three sons and like all of the families were super accepting, but David's were just kind of a little bit more so it sounded like. Yeah. And now the parents never knew that their kids were triplets. Mm-hmm. They had no idea. And the parents are kind of like, what the fuck at the adoption agency? Yeah. You know? Right. And um, a couple years after all of this came out, like the, the president of the adoption agency said something like, well, you know, when it comes to adoption, the birth or the adoptive parents really only need to know what's relevant. Okay. So they didn't see the fact that they were triplets as being relevant. Relevant. Um so the parents did end up having a meeting with like the higher-ups of this adoption agency and you know they said that it was harder to place multiples than singles and that's why they separated them and the parents were like uh no and david's parents david's parents in particular were pissed and they were like there's no question we would have taken all three i gotta imagine like you didn't even give us the option yeah So anyway, nothing really happened at this meeting except for, you know, the agency was like, well, sorry, but at the time we felt like multiples were harder to place than single children. So they were all separated and that's what it was. Yeah. That's just the way they did things back then. Yeah. Unfortunately. But as they were leaving... Bobby's father forgot his umbrella inside, so he turned back to get it. And when he went back inside, the agency people were toasting each other with a bottle of champagne. What? Yeah. Remember that. Why? We'll we'll talk about it. We'll get there. Okay. Remember that. Oh, I'll remember it. So I got most of my information about this from the documentary on Hulu called Three Identical Strangers. I absolutely recommend going and watching it. There's a lot more in the documentary than what I included here. So it's on Hulu. Go watch it. Yeah. I'll check it out. So in that documentary, Bobby's father, Mort, said, quote, they looked like they had just missed getting hurt. And he said that that, like, memory of them toasting each other with champagne stuck with him for, like, ever. That's going to leave a sour taste in your mouth. Yeah. So then the parents are like, we got to do something. And they started talking to lawyers to see if there was, I don't really know why, if there was some sort of, like, Like a legal recourse? Yeah, maybe like, you know, suing for emotional damage or something. I'm not sure, but um, it didn't really matter because the lawyers all said there was a conflict and they couldn't take the case. 
But the boys really almost didn't care at this point because they were just happy to have to have been reunited. Um, right. And they were like little celebrities. They were going out partying, clubbing. The media was still following them around and super interested in what they were doing. They were kind of like, they kind of like became overnight. Like they were like socialites. Right. Almost. But still, in a sense, it's still sad because they could have had their whole lives together. Yeah. Before that, you know? Yeah. Um, But like, I mean, you, you know, I'm adopted. So like, you always kind of wonder when you're, when you're an adoptee, you always kind of wonder like what could have been. What but, my siblings might have been like. Yeah, if you even have siblings. How many questions? I mean, I can't even imagine putting myself in your shoes or any ad- adoptee's shoes. What questions would go through your mind of what could have been, what my family would have been like, what my life would have been like? Yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm like, sure. I'm sure it's endless. Well, I mean, like even even non-adoptees you know like you you might make some life-altering decision and you still might wonder well what if i had chosen differently oh you know it's it's the same thing that's just different scenarios right but anyway so they're living the high life they um they had a cameo in a movie with madonna and i thought it was funny they didn't even know that madonna was madonna at the time. Really? <laughs> yeah. They were just like, they got approached on the street. They were like, oh my God, you, you're like, you're the triplets. You're the guys. Will you be in the movie? And they were like, hey, sure. I mean, all it is is like, she, she gets out of her car and she like walks into the building and they like, all three of them are just standing in a line and they're just checking her out. Wow. Is, is that in a movie? Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to watch that. Okay. I don't know what movie it is though. I'll look it up. Yeah. And this I I found super interesting and a little bit funny. So the three of them got an apartment together in the city. Aww. I know. It's so cute. All three of them. I know. And at one point, Eddie got appendicitis. Oh. But he didn't have insurance. Mm-hmm. So they kind of committed insurance fraud because Eddie. They used somebody else's, the, the other one's insurance? Yes. Eddie pretended oh to be Bobby God, awesome. to get his appendix removed. <laughs> yes. I love that. So if Bobby ever ends up having issues with his appendix, that could get a little. Might have some issues. Might yeah. Might have some issues. Um. Anyway, but then, you know, so. Um, they all eventually go on to get married. They're starting their own families, but they still stayed incredibly close. They were super involved. And eventually, they wanted to find their birth mother. Yeah, as almost any adoptee would probably want to do. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty common in the adoption world to want to find your birth parents for one reason or another. Yeah. Um, and they were able to get a hold of their original birth records that contained their birth mother's last name. And they did find her and they met her. And she kind of told them the story of what happened. It was like she was really young. It was kind of like a, a hooked up on prom night and got pregnant type thing. Now, do you know if she did she know about them? 
when they contacted her because they were celebrities, as you mentioned? Or is that not known? Um, I don't know. One of the guys made a comment in the documentary that she had like kept up with them, but I don't think she, I think it may have just been like once their story came out and she figured out like, well, I was probably the only person in New York that had three babies on this day and gave them up for (laughs) adoption. Yeah. But they did say that she seemed to really struggle with the fact that she gave them up. And um, they did mention that maybe she had some mental health issues and they didn't stay close with her. I I think shortly after meeting that the relationship just kind of fizzled out. Yeah. But at least they got to meet her. Yeah. And that's kind of what happens in some situations. Well, yeah, like my situation, my birth mom pretty much wanted nothing to do with me. And my birth dad and I, like, we still, like, we talk pretty frequently. Yeah. Like, we're friends. Right. Um, Just depends on the situation. Yeah, it totally depends on the situation. I mean, one of my best friends, Lexi, she reached out to her birth mom. And her birth mom lied and said, nope, you have the wrong person. Sorry. Wow. Yeah. Anyway... We digress. So they didn't stay close with their birth mom, but they did open up a restaurant in New York City. In, oh my god! In 1993, can you guess what they named it? Three Amigos. No. What? Tri- what is it? Triplets. Oh, even better. Yeah, I like it. So I bet I bet they had like a, a triplet burger. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they had all the gimmicky stuff. And it was wildly (laughs) successful because they were media sensations. So everybody wanted to go to the restaurant. I mean, they were working there. They made over a million dollars in their first year. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. But um, I did briefly mention earlier that they all, you know, at some point struggled with mental health, depression, anxiety, growing up and apparently you know in that like second or third year of having the restaurant their relationship started to fall apart Uh because um david said it was due to quote-unquote conflicting worth work ethics Hmm. so bobby ended up leaving the restaurant and around the same time david's dad had died And um, David's dad was kind of like the glue that was holding them all together. Yeah. And um, in 1995, Eddie's depression took a turn for the worse following Bobby's departure from their business. He started acting really strangely. He was having really drastic up and downs in his moods. He was... um, contacting people in the middle of the night that he hadn't spoken to in years. So he was just acting really strange. And David did convince him to go to the hospital and he was hospitalized for a while for like having a major depressive episode. Yeah. And after getting out of the hospital, Eddie went back to work at the restaurant with David. I think everything was kind of okay for a couple months. But then one day, David was manning the kitchen, and Eddie was usually kind of on the front end doing stuff up there. But on this one particular day, 
Eddie wasn't there. Hmm. So David calls his wife and um, he asks her if Eddie's car was at his house because at the time they had lived like right across the street from each other. Right. So she looks out the window and she's like, yeah, his car's over there. Do you want me to go check on him and like see what's up? And David's like, yeah, why don't you do that? So she goes over there and she calls David and is like, you need to come home right now. David gets back home. There's cops everywhere. They wouldn't let him inside. And on June 16th, 1995, Eddie had shot and killed himself in his home. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Yeah. So, despite this tragic loss of one of their brothers, it does seem like Bobby and David kind of still had a estranged relationship Mm -hmm. and things in their lives kind of go quiet for a handful of years because meanwhile a journalist by the name of Lawrence Wright was working on a story about adopted twins being separated at birth and um, how that would shape them kind of like a nature versus nurture type thing And he happened to come across a scientific article that referenced a secret study where they were purposefully separating identical twins and triplets for the purpose of this experiment. Really? Now, in this article, it said all of the babies that were separated had come from Louise Wise Services, the same adoption agency where the boys were adopted out of. All of them? Wow. So Lawrence calls up Bobby, tells him about this experience. Like I said, I think it was in 2013. And they quickly realize that they were guinea pigs. Wow. And in the documentary... That has to mess your whole life up. Yeah. Like, that has to just give you an earth-shattering moment there of what the fuck has my life been about? Well, remember when the agency people were toasting? Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. So they thought... A little bit of foreshadowing there. They thought their secret was safe. Wow. Allegedly. So in the documentary, Bobby and David recall people coming to their houses like once or twice, maybe more a year. I'm not sure what the timeline was, but people would come to their house, film them, study them, have them do IQ tests, have them do personality quizzes, um, like ink blot tests, all of Mm. that kind of shit. And these people told their parents, like, 
hey, this is just a typical adoption study that we're doing just to see how adoption affects adoptees. Right. But it gets... Bullshit. Well, it is bullshit. Yeah. it's, it's, It's not a typical study, but it gets... It gets sicker. This is the part that just, I can't. These people were meticulous when choosing the families. Remember how I said that they all had older adopted sisters who were about the same age? Yeah. That was on purpose. Really? That was on purpose. They had studied the parents' parenting styles. They put all three boys in different social classes on purpose. Oh my God. So essentially they were trying to discover if nature versus nurture was a real thing. That's so fucked up. Yeah. To do that to kids, living kids who are just trying to live out their lives. Well, and if to, to put them as guinea pigs in this experiment, and if you know anything about adoption, just being adopted comes with its own trauma. Like if you're if if this right. piques your interest, I encourage all of you to Google the primal wound. Like there is something psychological that happens to a baby when they're separated from their parents. And right. it manifests in different ways for a lot of people, but a lot of adoptees experience Depression, anxiety, abandonment issues, um, all of that kind of stuff. But then it's like, well, is that from being adopted or could there be other contributing factors? Like there's there's a lot of. Yeah. I could. Again, I the could nature versus nurture argument. Yeah. Um, so what they would do is they were like comparing the results of the tests to the three boys. Fucked up. But they they weren't the only subjects. There were more. There was 15. Oh, my at least. God. At least. I think most of the other subjects were twins, and I think they were the only set of triplets. And they never let this out to the public until it was just no. leaked. Well, we'll get yeah. there. Sort of. Kind of. And the guy in charge was a Dr. Peter Naubauer. Neubauer? Neubauer. Yeah. He was a pretty well-known and well-respected psychiatrist in New York. He was an Austrian refugee from the Holocaust. His his methods were very Freudian in nature. And after Lawrence published his initial article, another set of twins found each other because they realized that or one of them realized that, hey, I was born in this time. I was adopted from the Louise Wise Services Agency, and she found her twin. Wow. And um, Lawrence was able to speak with Dr. Neubauer before he died, and he said that he was very reluctant to talk about this stuff. Yeah, I bet he was. Yeah. Um, Shocker. Yeah, he said he didn't want to talk about it until it was ready to be published. Because he doesn't know he fucked up. Well, and at the time of the interview, the doctor was like, oh, yeah, it'll be published in like a year or so. And 
Um, he wouldn't talk about where the funding came from either. He said something about Washington or like there was private funding and it was just really cryptic, really fucking shady. Yeah. Yeah. And in this documentary, they also talk with Dr. Neubauer's like assistant or something. Mm -hmm. And she makes some pretty interesting comments. Um, I didn't include those here just kind of, um, for the sake of time, but like I said, watch the documentary. Yeah. I'll probably say that 10 more times throughout <laughs> this. But so, yeah, the study has never been published. Ever. Fully. Wow. As it, as it turns out, the doctor had arranged to have it all sealed for decades. Unbelievable. Why, Why do you think that is? Because he didn't want to be around when the... You know, when it was published? I don't know. Why? That, and he doesn't want the subjects to be around either. Oh, okay. Yep. So, like I said, at least at least 15 children were separated at birth. And um, three of them, including Eddie, committed suicide. Mm. So, the boys along with like the producers of this documentary were petitioning to have the records released. Yeah, as they should. So after filming had concluded, they were successful in getting the, the documents related to their adoptions released. So the documents that they had were only pertaining to the two or three of them. Right. They received more than 10,000 pages. Oh. All of the documents were heavily redacted. Yeah. So they had access to um, all of those papers. They got videos from those visits with the people when they were younger. And following the release of the documentary in 2018, another set of twins from the same agency found each other. Wow. So where were they mm -hmm. from? They're all from New York. Okay. Is is what I understood. Yeah. Because all all of the kids came from this adoption agency in New York. Mm -hmm. So that's where they're all from. I don't know if they ended up in different states right. or whatever. I didn't look too terribly closely into these other twins' stories. But it was all out of the same central agency. Yes. Okay. I mean, a lot of these people reported struggling with mental health issues while they were growing up to varying degrees. Um, I don't remember which one, but one of the other brothers said that he had spent some time in a mental hospital as a teenager you know their childhoods were good by all accounts but they did still struggle heavily with stuff even even the the other sets of twins who like figured all of this out and i i mean there's a certain kind of stigma that comes with being adopted as it is and sometimes i mean for some people it obviously depends on the situation but i think at one point or another almost every adoptee struggles with kind of like an, an identity crisis or something with yeah. just being adopted I imagine. and then these people have to find out that they were guinea pigs in a, in a science experiment that's all sorts of fucked up 
And none of them knew. Yeah. The parents didn't know. The birth parents, I would assume, didn't know. The kids didn't know. Like, can you, so- can you imagine? I mean, as you expressed before, you're adopted. Yeah. What if you would have found out later in life that you were part of some sort of weird experiment? I, oh my god! I, mean, I would what, be pissed. Well, yeah. What What would your emotions be like? I mean, I mean, Bobby and David were pissed. Yeah. They were very upset about this, and um, like if you read about this on the internet, a lot of a lot of people are upset. This this you know opened up a lot of discussion about ethics and morality and yeah. and studying human beings and um you know the the assistant or whatever to this doctor that was behind all of it she said you know she seemed she seemed kind of unaffected by it like she didn't really care like mm. very unemotional she she said something like um well you have to think of like the time and we didn't that's think of things then how we do now. Bullshit. Which is, is, That's bullshit. Right. I mean, you d- we didn't think of things then how we do now in a lot of aspects, but still, you knew you knew what you were doing was wrong, and that's why you tried so very hard to keep it a secret. Right. That, yeah. That doesn't cut it. Yeah. So... It kind of begs the question, like, should the full study be released early and those people be alerted? Yeah. That the ones that don't know? Or is ignorance bliss? I mean, if it were me, I would want to know. I feel like, I don't know. I don't know if I would want to know, to be honest. Right. But um, Dr. Neubauer died at the tender age of 94. In February of 2008. Hmm. And all of his research material, which is more than 60 boxes of documents, tapes, I don't even know what else, will remain in an archive at Yale University until October 25th, 2065. That is just wrong. I. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. So they're they're taking no accountability. They're doing this guinea pig situation, and they're waiting until everybody's dead to release it. To me, that just seems wrong. Well, and get this: so um, according to the Yale University website, um, like if you if you get really deep into it, it says this in the documentary. But the study took place from 1960. To 1980. Wow. What year did the triplets reunite? Yeah. 1980. Yeah. Coincidence? Probably not. Yeah. I wonder if it would have continued if they had never found each other and were just like thrust into the limelight. I bet it would have. And I bet it would have. Like there's been a lot of buzz on the internet about having Yale release the documents yeah they should be held accountable i think well yale didn't do it right but they have all of the information here yeah 
But, and it's been, it's been talked about and like the people at Yale, like released a statement. Like, I mean, they, they could face a lawsuit if they release it before the like contracted time. But at the same time, like you're the fucking Yale university, right? You can afford a lawsuit. Yeah. You're the preeminent university in the country. Come on. Yeah. As far as I know, I, I don't know if the brothers really have a good relationship with each other still. So Um, the two brothers are still alive at this point. Yeah. David, um, David and Bobby are still alive. They're, they're in their late fifties or early sixties. Okay. They must be. Yep. There's. They got to be sixty-one, or they're turning sixty-one this year. That's the story of the three New York triplets who were separated at birth, and unknowingly, guinea pigs in a fucked up study. Yeah, and I mean, what do you think, Emily? You being somebody who is adopted. Do you think the study was worth it? I mean, do you think that they should have done it? I don't think I don't think they should have done it. I don't I don't I can't think of anything in that study that would prove anything. Right. You can't I mean, I understand wanting to understand if nature versus nurture is a real thing, but I think there's other ways to go about it. Well, I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's both. Yeah, it always is both. Yeah. Because, like, me, I mean, I don't know my birth mom well at all, but, um, like, my birth dad and his family say that I look just like her, but I don't know what her personality is, but I think my birth dad and I have very similar senses of humor, but I mean- I always think it's half and half. It's always half and half. It feels like it because I get half of my personality traits from both of my parents, 25% each, and then the other 50% of me is just me. Yeah. I mean, humans are so- complex and there's so many variables and i mean i'm i'll be fucking i'll be 75 when this study is yeah released so um hopefully i'm still alive because i would like to know what the fuck exactly hopefully we'll do a follow-up podcast on it or whatever Whatever yeah. the medium is at that time, it probably won't be podcasts then. <laughs> no, probably not. Unnatural a, a, a will still exist in some form. I don't even form. want to think about it. Well, it'll, I mean, the internet is forever. So it'll exist yeah. somewhere, somehow. Some way. But um, if you are adopted, know somebody who's adopted, or someone who participated in this trial, let's talk about it, because I have been really obsessed with adoption and all of that, again, lately, for my own reasons, but I think it would be fun to talk about, learn about, what have you. Come join the conversation on Twitter, Unnatural the Pod. Instagram, Unnatural the Podcast, 
Facebook, Unnatural, a true crime podcast. You can send us an email, unnaturalthepodcast at gmail.com. Also consider signing up for our Patreon page where you get early access to ad-free episodes, bonus content, and more. That is patreon.com slash unnaturalthepod. And as always, be sure to rate, subscribe, follow, share us with your friends. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review and some very kind words. And we will send you a super cool sticker if you screenshot it and DM it to us on any of the socials or the Gmail, whatever you prefer. We will talk to you next week when Andy tells us about what. Well, Emily, we are about to go down a rabbit hole next week, and this one is sort of developing. There was some news that broke out of California recently, an arrest was made, and it all involves the 2016 disappearance of Sherry Papini, who was found on Thanksgiving morning on the side of an interstate and said that she had been abducted for over three weeks by two Hispanic women. Again, an arrest was just made. We're going to dive deep into this case and let you know what's going on. That's coming up next week. In the meantime, make good choices. And don't get got. Bye. Hey, hey, hey.